coming today out in this uh, weather and after losing an hour of rain last night. So uh, it's one way to look at it, isn't it? And uh, you lost an hour of rain. I know you're glad, and I'm glad too. I'm so tired of rain, I tell you. <laughs> and uh, it's just been so messy. But open up your Bibles, if you would, to Daniel chapter 1. Daniel, that prophetic book of the Bible that we are looking at, not for prophecy's sake, but for learning life lessons from Daniel's, uh, from the prophet, from his life. Daniel was about 15 years old when he was taken from uh, Judah and Jerusalem, his homeland of Israel, by uh, Nebuchadnezzar, conquering king. Babylonian Empire came in and just decimated him. Took about 25% of the population captive, and Daniel was one of those that was taken captive. In fact, Daniel is still buried in Babylon. That's modern-day Iraq. If you were to go to Iraq today, you could go to Daniel's tomb. You could see the place where uh, tradition says that uh, Daniel is buried. And so we're going to learn some things today as we look at uh, continue looking at battles that he faced as a follower of God. Daniel chapter 1. Verse 1, you'll just forgive me, I've had a little bit of a, a cough. I'm not sure what's going on. I feel great. <coughs> just kind of a tickle in the throat there. But anyway, Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. In the, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and he besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he, Nebuchadnezzar, carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. You see what's going on there, don't you? We come in, your God can't stand against us. He tells Israel, we conquer you, we not only conquer you, we conquer your God, we take back some of the holy articles. Our God is more strong than your God. <clears throat> Verse 3, Then the king instructed Aspenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men, in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which the king drank, <clears throat> and three years of training for them, so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Now, from among those sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and to them, the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart. You ought to underline that. Daniel purposed in his heart, deep inside of him where it meant something, that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine with which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, God had brought Daniel into favor 
and goodwill with the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear the Lord my king, who has appointed your food and drink. Why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men of your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. So Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of eunuchs had set over him, over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, here's what he says, Please, test your servants for ten days, and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink, and then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants. So he consented with them in this matter, and he tested them for ten days. And at the end of the ten days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portions of the king's delicacies. Thus the steward took away their portion of the delicacies and the wine that they were able to drink and gave them all vegetables. And as for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now at the end of the days, when the king said that they should be brought in, <clears throat> the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them, and among them all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they served before the king. Now, today, as I said, we're going to begin to look at some of the battles and some of the testings that Daniel, as a young man, faced as a follower of God. And God is getting ready to bless him. God is getting ready to use him in a powerful way. He's going to spend 70 years in Babylon. He was 15. I want you to do something with me. I want you to think about the average 15-year-old that you know. No need to laugh about it. 15 years old. That's how old Daniel was. When he was severed and taken away from his land, his religion, his family, his faith, everything. Torn asunder, taken to Babylon, a POW, separated from every bit of Christian teaching, every bit of uh, Judaistic teaching that he would have had, and... Uh, and now he's there, and God is going to use him in a foreign, lane, uh, foreign land. Now, let me just say this. God is going to bless him, but you need to write this down. Before every blessing, there is always a battle. When I first began to preach, I heard, young, I heard older preachers say this, and I thought, ah, you know, don't know if that's true. I promise you, before every great blessing, there is always a battle. A battle will test us and if we're going to be used greater and mightier and better by God you will be tested first God wants you to be ready for what he has in store for you and the the the, the future is going to be great and it's going to be tough and so he's got to test you and what does God test us for God tests us for character God tests and wants to know are you going to have real integrity God wants to know, are you going to have humility? God wants to test your generosity. God may want to test your faith many, many times. If you pass the test, you get the promotion. 
with the Lord. If you don't, you go back and you learn the lesson again. Now, Daniel's character is going to be tested time and time and time again. And what you're going to see as we go through these life lessons on Daniel is every time Daniel passes the test, he gets promoted. God gives him more influence. Even in a pagan environment, Daniel is going to outlast three emperors. He is going to... uh, He's going to lead two of them to faith in God. And at his end of his life, at 85 years old, 85, Daniel is going to uh, just be amazing in his... He's going to be... I tell you, he's only going to be second only to the king in power. Starts out as a POW. Winds up as the right-hand man of the emperor. And so this series is about different segments of Daniel's life. First one we looked at last week, verses 1 through about verse 8. And what we talked about was just when everything in your life, earth-shattering things happen, major change, when your world is turned upside down, how do you, like Daniel, stay immovable? This week, we're going to talk not about when everything is upset, but it's when some very personal things get upset. What are you going to do? How are you going to handle social pressure. I walked amongst our, some of our young people down here and I said this morning, message is really going to be for you. It's going to be for you too. It's going to be for every one of us, but particularly when we're young, our values are being shaped and our values are being challenged constantly. What are you going to do when people put pressure on you to conform, pressure on you to forget your walk with Christ? Now, I've already given you some of the background, but what they do when they get Daniel and these young leaders over there in Babylon, what they want to do is they want to completely socially re-engineer them. They want to reprogram them. They're teaching them a new language. They've given them new literature. They're teaching them a pagan culture, getting them away from Judaism and away from the teachings about God. They are teaching them to develop new habits, new religion. They even give them new names. And you read that in verse 7. Why would they do that? Because, again, they're reprogramming them. Their old names, Hebrew names, Daniel and the other names, they indicated their faith in God. And they renamed them. They didn't want them to associate with their old God. They wanted them to associate with the new culture. Daniel means God is my judge. And to him they gave the name of Belteshazzar, which is from Baal, which means Baal protects me. For Hananiah, they, it meant Hananiah meant God is gracious. Uh, they named him Shadrach, named after Shad, the moon god. Mishael, Mishael means who is like God. And then they named him Meshach, named after one of the fertility gods. And then Azariah, they named Abednego, a god named Nebo, which meant the servant of Nebo. They're trying to totally rearrange their everything about them. Take them away from their parents. Take them away from their, their religious institution. You're not going to be named by your old name. You're going to be known by a new name. Now, in verses 5 and verse 8, we've already read them. That's where the first contest, the first real test in uh, Daniel's life comes. They come up and they say, the king has appointed for you to have the best food, the king's food, the delicacies and the wine. 
uh, which the king drinks, and you get three years of training and all this stuff. It's literally called, like today in sports, they call it a training table. You ever heard of a training table? You come in, you can eat anything on this. The coach, if you're a high-paid athlete, you don't eat what you want to eat. You eat what they tell you to eat. And that's exactly what they're doing here. They've given them the finest food and, and everything. But notice in verse 8 of your text, it says, But Daniel, I told you to underline it, purposed in his heart. Now the heart is not the organ that they're speaking of here that beats and keeps us alive. What they're talking about is the seat of the emotions. The Hebrews use the word heart. It means to describe who you are in your deepest person. Daniel decided, purposed, deep in his heart that he would not, it's an interesting word, what? Defile himself. He doesn't want to defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies or the wine which he drank. Now, now why would he use the word defile? That word literally carries with it the idea to pollute. He wouldn't pollute himself. To contaminate or corrupt himself. It, it indicates a loss if something is pure, a loss of purity. I'm amazed sometimes at people who will go to a river and just dump in and pour out into the river uh, toxic waste. Not just a sickening thing. Or run raw sewage into a river. When you do that, you've defiled the river. When you throw trash out of your car and you just throw it out on the ground for somebody else to pick up, you've defiled the community. It, 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 you're taking away from its purity and its beauty if I were to say to you, uh, let me run you a bath, and then you get ready to get in it, and I take a garbage can and dump it in the bathtub. Kind of the idea, right? Just to Daniel says, I don't want to be defiled. Now, why does he consider, when this king says, you can have all the best food, you can have the same nice wine that I'm doing, it. why does Daniel consider that something that would defile him? Sounds like a decent deal to me. Well, here it is. From Israel, of the nation of Israel, as a follower of God, the one true God, Daniel knew that centuries before, God had been very clear and he had not stuttered when he spoke to Israel and said there are certain foods you can eat, you may eat, and there are certain foods you may not eat. And it was more than just health. There were dietary laws, there were clean animals and unclean animals, and all of this was part of their religious system to point them back to the one sinless lamb who was coming. And Daniel loved God. And Daniel says, look, he's telling us, he's offering us some nice things, but some of that I can't eat. My God has told me I can't eat it. And so Daniel's love for God was greater than his desire, hear me, to be popular, to be accepted even by the king. And since the king's edict was in violation of Daniel's morals, what this really was, was an assault on Daniel's God. On an assault, it was an assault on Daniel's spiritual walk. It was an attempt, further attempt, to get him to forget the God of the Hebrews. This was another means of cultural reprogramming, trying to get these godly young teenagers to conform to a pagan society. And Daniel says, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Now, the way Daniel handles these tests should reveal about four 
qualities right off the bat that God loves to see in the life of someone that he wants to use. This test of give you the food and you can eat and Daniel purposes in his heart. First of all, it reveals, write it down, Daniel's integrity. Daniel's integrity. You see, Daniel never forgets who he was. And he never forgets whose he was. He never forgets that he's a Hebrew. He's not a Babylonian. He is a worshiper of the one true God, not of the many false gods. And in Daniel chapter 1 verse 8, I love it. I've already mentioned it. Daniel purposed in his heart, in his heart, not to defile himself. Daniel said, look, you may change my location. You may change my schooling. You may change my uh, my, my, my name, but you will not change my heart. You know, the Bible gives us a warning like that. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed through the renewing of your mind, that you may know and prove what is the good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. This test reveals to us that Daniel... He had integrity. He had integrity. Second thing it reveals, it's a quality that God loves, is this. Daniel's discipline. God loves integrity and will not bless liars. And God loves disciplined people. Daniel controlled his own ego. Daniel controlled his own appetite. In the second part of verse 1, look at it. Uh, excuse me, verse 8. Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's what? Delicacies. This is a king's table. This is an offering that not, not many people in the kingdom got. They took these young, bright, healthy, good-looking kids, and they put the best food. Now, you have to remember where they came from. Their families have probably been killed. They were living in poverty, transported back home, not on 747s, not on you know, C-130s, back through dust and chains and shackles and taken, and they were POWs. Now there's a king's table laid out before them. Now they can eat anything and everything that they want to eat, the finest food around, the same thing that the king's eating. You're the select ones. You're the best. One day, maybe some of you will get to serve in the king's palace. Don't you think that'd mess with your ego a little bit? Hmm? 15 years old? I get to eat this. I get, you think your appetite, you think your stomach could be growling over that one? I guarantee you. And listen, they're, they're, they're offered all this stuff. And Daniel shows tremendous discipline in spite of great temptation. If you were him... And you were offered this power, this prestige, these pleasures. Now you get the best of everything. You get to serve in a palace of luxury. You get to be pampered and given preferential treatment. You get the best education. You get the most expensive food. Wouldn't that go to your ego? Let me ask you something. Don't you think the finest food in the world was tempting to Daniel as a POW? And you know what? Here's what I see. I see Daniel makes a differentiation. Daniel... Daniel takes the training because it's commanded of him. He studies the languages, but when it came to the things that actually violated his conscience, 
i.e. eating unclean food, Daniel says, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Daniel's attitude was this. I think it was a right one. I will serve you because this is where God has placed me, but I'm not going to be indebted to you. I'm not going to be co-opted by you. I'm not going to become one of you. I'm not going to be seduced by fame and fortune. And I believe here's what Daniel was saying. I know who I am in my God, and I am never going to forget. I am never going to forget that I'm not one of you. I'm different. I belong to God who has redeemed me. And just because, now here's a great principle for us. Just because I can do something doesn't mean I should do it. Mm. Just because I can do it. Just because it's available doesn't mean I ought to partake of it. It would be a great lesson for our society to learn, wouldn't it? Daniel had discipline. It takes discipline to do that. Discipline. This test also reveals Daniel's courage. Daniel was willing to stand alone. He had a few friends with him. Daniel was their leader. Now let me say something about courage. You're not going to get far in this life without a little bit of courage. You're not going to get much accomplished without courage. Courage to stand when others are urging you to compromise your convictions. Happens to us all the time, doesn't it? I've got a friend. who was president of one of the chapters of one of the major outlaw biker organizations in this area. I was talking to him a while back, and I helped him out, and I've helped him, and we helped him encourage one another. But I helped him. He was down and out, and I helped him, and, and some of you helped. And I was going to go visit another ex-member of this, of, of this motorcycle club, who was in the hospital, and I called my buddy, and I said, I'm going to go visit Bones and, and pray for him. He's been hit by a car. About a couple weeks ago, he said, man, I can't go. He said, I love him. Now, he's out of the club now. He said, I can't go. He said, I love him. But he said, I, I, I guess I'm just a punk. I guess I'm just too, I guess I'm just too, Weak. I, I just can't be around people like that yet. And I, I, I guess I'm just weak. And I said, no, 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 no. Listen, you're strong. <laughs> it takes strength to say no. It takes strength to stay away from something that you know would get you in trouble. It takes strength. Listen, when you're dealing with drug addiction, it takes a lot of strength. It takes a strong man. It takes a strong. It takes courage to say no. It takes courage to be the one teenager who, when everybody else is going to be having fun and they're just going to go do something that you know good and well you're not supposed to be doing it. It takes real strength. It takes a lot more strength and a lot more courage to say, I'm not going to do that and walk off and have all your friends go the other way. It takes a lot more strength to do that, a lot more courage to do that than it does to just kind of go along with the crowd. All the time knowing that you are now, when you give in, the one who has no spine. Daniel had great courage. You know, it took a lot of courage to say, I'm not going to eat that. 
I'm requesting not to eat it. They can say, well, this is the king's food. This will be an insult to the king. You're saying to the king it isn't good enough. Can you imagine somebody saying this? Now, Daniel, Daniel, every, look at all the other Jewish kids. They're doing it. Everybody's doing it. Well, I think this proves to us that a majority doesn't necessarily make something right. Amen? Amen. Wrong is wrong. And you can take something's wrong and vote and say it's right, and it's still wrong. Amen? Wrong is wrong. No matter how many people say it's right. Daniel showed great courage. The fourth thing that this test revealed was Daniel's... Now, this is kind of... You, you would think these two were almost opposite, but they're not. They go hand in glove. Show Daniel's humility. Daniel, if you really slow down and study the text, Daniel is extremely tactful with those whom God has allowed to be in authority over him. The way that Daniel makes his appeal shows respect for authority. Look at verse 8. I'm going to read a few verses. Verse 8, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he demanded. Therefore he protested. Is that right? No. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God, and then you see God working in verse 9 in the life of this godly young man. Now God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said, and I think his complaint's legit, the, the, the chief says, I, I fear the Lord my king. He's the one that's appointed your food and drink, for why should he see your face looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you'd endanger my head <laughs> before the king. So Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over him, over Daniel, over Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah, look here. Please. Do you see that word? Isn't that a great word? Please. Some of you need to learn that word. Please. Please. You just test your servants for 10 days. Just give us a chance here. Let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before whom? You. And then you judge. Just please give us a chance and then you judge. The appearance of the young men who eat the portions of king delicacies. And, as, and then at the end of the day, look what Daniel says. And as you see fit. I mean, he's humble, isn't he? The results found in verse 19, they come back and the Bible says that they look better than all the rest and therefore they serve before the king. Now that's, that verse 19 is the first promotion for Daniel in the entire book. He's going to get five throughout his life there in Babylon and uh, he gets to serve before the king. Now, Daniel is not just surviving in tough times, he is thriving and he's growing in influence. He's 18 now at the end of that. Three years training, still only 18. Now, let me bring this home for you. Let me help you out and give you something real practical. Because all of us have to live under someone who has authority over us. Do you understand this? All of life you must learn to submit to authority. And incidentally, you will never be over that which God wants to place under you until you learn to be under that which God has placed over you. You ever seen some people that just can't deal with authority? I remember counseling a kid one time. He never would listen to his mom and his daddy. 
I just wanted to whip him. I was a pastor. They'd bring him in to me to straighten him out, and they'd go home and mess him up the rest of the hours of the week. I, just, I said, man, he just needs a good spanking. And, and a young teenager. And then I met, talked with his mom and daddy, and I thought, well, his daddy needs a spanking. You know, I mean, I talked with them. Now, that ain't the cure for everything, but it, it's mine sometimes. But I'll never forget, this kid didn't want to listen to his mama, didn't want to listen to his daddy, didn't want to listen to his pastor, didn't want to listen to the youth pastor, just always causing trouble. If you made a rule and said, don't step on the right, the first thing that joker would do on the right. You said, don't step on the left, the first thing that joker would do. I mean, every rule had to break it. You know what he told me? I said, you really need some discipline in your life. He said, that's what I've been telling mom and daddy. I'm going to... Actually, he was getting... He was 17, I think, by now, because he, he was... He said... I'm going to join the army because I am sick and tired of people telling me what to do all the time. <laughs> I see we have a few military folks in here. Hey, Jimmy, you know what I told him? I think you need to join the Marines, young man. They're real easy on you. They'll let you sleep as late as you want to and stay up as late as you want to and eat and drink everything you want to. What a joke, right? Right? Where was I at in this sermon? <laughs> You're all going to have to learn to submit to authority on some level. We all do. Now, if that's true, an authority and a boss or a teacher or a parent tells you something to do, challenges you and tells you to do something that's going to cause you to compromise your convictions, how do you make an appeal? How do you do it? I'm going to teach you this. You're going to need this in life. This is going to be good. Get ready to write it down. Before you ever make a request, that's what Daniel does. People are in authority. They tell him he's going to have to do some things. He makes a request to be given an exemption. Number one, write this down. Before you ever make the request, develop a reputation for being responsible. Develop, prior to making the request, you must take time to develop a reputation for being responsible. Now you mark it down, if you're irresponsible, if you're a goofball and a jerk and an idiot and a smart aleck, now I'm just telling you this because I love you. If you're always late for work and never on time for work and you're not willing to work a minute over and you don't carry out the trash or don't clean up your room or don't do anything else, don't expect your mom or your dad or your boss to be real willing and eager to hear what you want from them. But if you've worked hard and you've developed a reputation for being responsible, like Daniel, then you may just get an ear. Did you notice in verse 9 that it says that Daniel, by God's grace, had already been given the, the favor and the goodwill of one of the chief officers? Verse 9 says that. He already had the favor. Daniel, obviously, this guy's looked at Daniel and said, this is a smart kid. This is a bright kid. He's not like that idiot over there causing all his trouble. Boy, you're always messing up. Why don't you straighten up? Daniel, why don't you like Daniel? Be a good kid. You can only imagine. He already had the favor and the goodwill of this guy. And so, evidently, as a 15-year-old, Daniel stood out for his good attitude, his responsibility, consistency and other character qualities you must develop a reputation for being responsible proverbs 22 verse 
29 teaches this. Do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. Everybody who's ever employed anybody knows this. Listen, people with responsibility respond to and recognize people with responsible, res, responsibility. I, I could do it. I did it at the 8.30 service. I won't do it now, but I could say to those of you who own businesses, some of you who have to hire, and I've hired a lot of people and I've fired a lot of people. But I tell you, as one who has hired a lot of people and fired a lot of people, I could name some of the qualities that I want. I want honesty and integrity right at the core. If you don't have that, you can work as hard as you want to, but you'll just be a fast thief, a fast liar. But I tell you, I want somebody who is honest, and then I want a hard worker. I want a go-getter. I want somebody who's apt to learn. I want somebody who thinks ahead and is proactive and has my interest and the church's interest or the company's interest in, in my mind. Listen, people with responsibility respond to responsible people, don't you? In your hiring process, there are certain people I look at them. I, I literally go and I meet people on church staffs, and I say, you better watch that guy. Somebody's going to take him from you. Somebody's going to steal her from you. And you better do it. I, I tell you, you've got to earn a, a reputation for being responsible. Um, at home, it works like this. If you want to go off on Friday or Saturday night, you might ought to pick up your room on Thursday or Friday morning. Amen? My kids, when I was raising them, if they were doing the things that we had asked them to do, I was a whole lot friendlier and easier about them then coming up and asking me, can we go do so-and-so? So you gotta, you got to develop a reputation for being responsible. Now, when you make your case to someone in authority, here's another great lesson from Daniel. Be humble, not belligerent. Be humble. Not belligerent. We're talking about making a request to somebody who is in authority. Um, in verse 8, I've already pointed it out. What does it say? And Daniel requested. He didn't pitch a fit. He didn't jump up and, and say to his boss, I'm a Christian and you can't tell me to do that in the workplace and I'm not going to do it. No, no, no. Verse 12, he used the word please. And he said, look, and then you just run this test and you decide. Remember this. Attitude determines acceptance. Attitude determines acceptance. I love Proverbs 25, 6. Do not exalt yourself in the presence of a king. <laughs> you don't walk into your boss's shop and say, you know what, you did such and such, and I'll tell you what, that ain't right, and I've been here six months, I've been here six years, 20 years. By the way, weak links always cling to tenure. They don't have options. I've been here all these years, and you may be the boss of this place, but I'll tell you one thing. You don't run it, I run it. Yeah, you'll see who runs it. And so, walk in, be humble. Don't be belligerent. Don't demand your rights. Don't try to be something you're not. You work hard, build a dependable reputation. Your boss will listen to you. And we're going to deal with in a minute, what if they don't listen to you? 
because Daniel doesn't get listened to and doesn't get his request in Daniel chapter 6, and he gets thrown into a den of lions. And his friends get thrown into a fiery furnace. Right now, we're talking about how to make a request and get your way. Amen? Be humble, not belligerent. Number three, don't be deceptive or manipulative. You know what I think is fascinating about Daniel's behavior in this? Daniel doesn't start a rebellion. Daniel doesn't start a gossip and complaining session. He doesn't go over to the water fountain and say, well, have you heard what the boss has told us to do? And I'm telling you one thing, I'm a, I'm a believer in God, and I'm not doing that, and I think we all ought to unite. And blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. You know, when Paul is speaking in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he says that in Christ we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness. Or handling the word of God deceitfully. I like it. Somewhat. But at times I hate Facebook. Can I say, get an amen out of that? <laughs> Isn't it amazing when people badmouth you publicly on Facebook? And they don't mention your name, but they just get it just close enough so that you'll know, and others might know, but they didn't really name you. Somebody who invented the block button invented a great thing, amen? Just takes the voice right away from people who want to be deceptive or manipulate. Don't do that. That's not God's way. When you go and you make your appeal, don't be deceptive, don't manipulate. But here's what you do. If you're going to appeal to someone who's actually in authority over you and God has placed you in that position, you appeal, now this is key, you appeal to their goals and their interests, number four. You appeal to their goals and their interests. Here's what Daniel says. You can go ahead and pull up the next point if you would. You, Here's what Daniel says. Daniel says, look, when he goes to this guy, may I please ask you this? Could I request this of you? And Daniel doesn't go into all the religious reasons or anything else. But Daniel is wise. And Daniel appeals to his goals and interests. Look, you want me to be healthy. You don't want to lose your head on the chopping block, and I don't want you to. But I'll promise you, if you'll let me eat this, I'll be just as healthy or more. And then listen now, listen, how about, how about just a 10-day test? And then at the end of that 10-day test, you decide. And if it works, look, we got a win-win. Don't you love win-wins? If it works, we got a Daniel is wise, isn't he, for a 15-year-old? 15 years old. Number five, when you're going to ask for a deference when you're going to ask for a you're making your case to authority this is so critical you appeal to their goals or interests but number five you choose the right place time and words circle each one of those as a parent don't you hate when your kids ask you something at the wrong time that ever happened I used to have to make a rule in my house when I had little kids. Now they're all married, thank God. They're somebody else's problem. But, but for the most part. But my kids were notorious for this, and they're just kids. You ought not do this, Mom and Dad. It will not work. I'm telling you, it's bad 
earn a reputation for responsibility, do the other things, don't, don't be humble, and don't be belligerent, but don't run up to mom and dad when they're engaged in some talk. If, I, if my, I'd be talking to Tony, not literally, but if I'm talking to him, my kids would come up with his kids and say, can we go spend the night, or can, can Tony's kids come over and spend the night with us tonight? Now, I'm standing right in front of Tony and, uh, and his kids. How am I going to say no? I don't want you hanging around Tony's kids, huh? No, I'm, you know I'm messing with <laughs> And Tony said he don't want his kids hanging around my kids. <laughs> but I finally told my kids, after they embarrassed me a dozen times with that, I said, all right, now look, you remember this rule, don't you? If you ask us in front of them kids or their parents, the answer is an automatic no. Automatic, doesn't matter who it is, doesn't matter if they're gold pockets or lined with gold bricks. It's an automatic no, right? Why? Because the place wasn't right. The time wasn't right. Ask me a day or two in advance so I can look at my schedule and say, yeah, it would be okay for them to spend the night here. Now you say, that's going to take time and we're just talking to church and we think, man, let's go hang out tonight. I got this new video. I understand that. But I'll guarantee you if you'll take time and pick a right place. Incidentally, the right place, and even at work or anywhere else, if it's a big enough issue to protest and build a case for, is private. The right place is usually private. Don't you hate for people to ask you permission, special permission as an employee, that you can't give to everybody, and they ask you in front of everybody? And so the right place, the best place, is usually privately where they aren't put on the spot. The best time, you say, what time of day? What time? Well, no particular time of day, but I will tell you this. It should be a time when they're not exhausted or in the middle of a problem or dealing with ten other things. Now think about it. Think about it. You're going to make a request. Somebody that's in authority. You don't want to walk in with an air in a pressure cooker. You don't want to do that. Pick a best place. Pick a best time. And then choose the right words, the best words. Think through it. Do you know I have spent literally days writing out conversations that I've had to have with employees at times? Days to write two paragraphs. You think I'm joking, don't you? Not at all. Why? Because I want to get every word right. I care. I want to... Listen, <laughs> may I be very honest with you? I want to win. I don't want to go into a confrontation with somebody, especially somebody that's in authority over me, and lose. And I don't want to leave there and then be mad at me or angry at me. So I will literally, but, but if you just barge in and they're right in the middle of something, you say, listen, I don't like the way you changed my schedule now. This ain't going to work. And, and you're chewing out your boss right in front of everybody. Don't be, don't be surprised if you get a pink slip. Don't be surprised if someone else gets the promotion. Don't be surprised. So you got to function with maturity when you're dealing with people that are in authority over you. You pick the best place, you pick the best time, and you pick the best word, uh, the best uh, words. You, you are respectful. Listen, I'm never persuasive when I'm abrasive. And then sixth, because we said Daniel doesn't, Daniel doesn't get his way all the time. He does in this case. And it works out great. But he gets thrown into a lion's den. 
What happens when you get a re- when you get rejected? You did all this. You feel like you deserve it, but you get rejected. Well, you trust God if they reject your appeal. Happens to all of us. You say, God, I believe you've got me here. And God, it didn't work. But Lord, I'm going to hold on to Romans chapter 8, verse 28, that you cause all things to work together for good to them that love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And listen to me, listen to me. You keep working hard. You keep being diligent. You keep being responsible. And in time, God will bless you. Amen. Again, I say this, those who have responsibility recognize those who are responsible. Isn't it a refreshing thing as a boss, as a parent, to be able to tell a kid or tell an employee no, and they don't get their way, and then you notice that they work even harder? It's rare, but isn't it awesome when it happens? Doesn't it make you then want to say yes to them the next time? It's amazing. It's amazing. So you trust God. Daniel did all the right things, and as a result, he got an exemption. Fifteen years old, and he's challenging the most powerful king in the world. Where did he get that kind of wisdom and grace and courage and character? Daniel lived in close relationship to God. This is very evident. God is working on his behalf. God is moving and giving him favor. He had God's presence, God's promises, God's power. He had God's people, and he had God's protection ultimately. That's four things. I'll just state them that you need to remember when you are pressured to conform. I have Jesus with me. I have the Holy Spirit in me. I have Jesus with me. I have the Holy Spirit in me. I have the promises that God has given to me. I have God's family and God's people around me. You got it? Even when you're not getting what you think you ought to deserve and what you ought to get, if you don't get favor, remember, you've got Jesus with you. You have the Holy Spirit in you. You have the promises of God given to you. God is faithful. And you have the family of God, the church around you, brothers and sisters, praying for you. You will make it. Now, evidently, Daniel's parents had done a wonderful, incredible job of building solid character in his life. Because here's why. We know this. Because when Daniel got separated from everything, family and parents, his life didn't fall apart. His person didn't just change. And people didn't stand around and go, my gosh, I thought that boy was religious. My goodness, I thought he loved Jesus. Look how crazy he's going. No, no, no. He was the same in Babylon as he was underneath his parents' roof. I am going to say this, and I'm going to close. I am so incredibly proud of some of you down here, down front, all of you kids. I know life is tough for you. I didn't have the benefit of having Christian parents, but I want to tell you, I'm so proud of some of our young people in here, the quality and the character of the youth in our church. They are an amazing group, I believe, many of them, of young Daniels. And I thank God that you guys are not afraid to be different 
you're not afraid to stand for the Lord even if it costs you everything. And I really believe this. I believe some of you are going to be called to be pastors, missionaries, greatly used of God in pagan cultures right here too to change this world for better like Daniel's. I really believe that. I really believe it. Let's pray. My question to every one of us here today, will you be a Daniel the next time you are called to drop your standards, to compromise your convictions? Will you be a Daniel? It's not easy, but it is so rewarding. Lord, we thank you for a man like Daniel. Hard to believe. Hard to believe. We look at his life and we read about it. Hard to believe he's only 15. See, Lord, it's just amazing what you can do, I guess, with any of us at any age, young or old, when we submit ourselves to you. So, Lord, teach us these lessons. Help us to, help us, Lord, to dare to be Daniels. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. We're going to stand just for a moment and do what we call a hymn of invitation. It's just a time we sing a song, we think about the words, we think about the message that God has spoken to us, and we respond. If you need prayer, I'll be here at the front. Tony will be here at the front. Uh, Ryan will be here, our student pastor. And... Uh, we're here to pray for you and with you. We're here to help you in any way that we can. So you just come as we sing.